Welcome to This Week in Hearing, where listeners find the latest information on all things related to hearing care. And as you know, we look at current developments in politics, legislation, innovative technology, pharmaceuticals, therapeutics, and of course, we're always looking for the latest innovations in practice management. Hello, I'm Bob Trader, your host for this episode of This Week in Hearing. Today, we have a critical issue that we need to discuss uh, relative to hearing care. And this issue deals with the over-the-counter hearing aid legislation and specifically President Biden's executive order uh, requesting the implementation of this as soon as possible. And today we're, we have our guest, Brandon Sawalik, who is the president and CEO of Starkey Laboratories. Thanks so much for being with us today, Brandon, to discuss this. I, I know that many of my, my colleagues may have seen it in hearing review or they may have heard a talk here and there, but I, my guess is most of them are seeing their patients all day and they may not have actually heard what you have to say about this important topic. Well, thank you for having me, Bob. And, and uh, you know, I'm like you and many others, very passionate about our industry. and. I embrace what's going on uh, in Washington, D.C. And, and around the world on really spotlighting the importance of hearing health care. You know, if, if you could give us a little bit of an idea, I understand Starkey has a program called Listen Carefully, and it has a lot to do with the over-the-counter legislation and Biden's executive order and so on. Could you tell us a little about Listen Carefully? and uh, maybe how Starkey and yourself really got involved in all those things. Well, for myself, I've been around the industry most of my life and uh, as far back as I can remember, and I was never going to get in, into the hearing aid business. I was gonna be an astronaut, but we all have visions and dreams and uh, sometimes uh, plans uh, work otherwise. And I've been in uh, the industry or Starkey for 28 years. Uh, great industry, great people. And I learned, I've learned a lot over those years, um, a lot of, you know, small industry. So uh, mutual friends and, and like you and myself, uh, the passion and really learned a lesson uh, going through the whole OTC over the counter discussion in 2015, really 16 and 17 um, and understanding uh, what people perceived our industry to be. And, you know, kind of fast forward, and there's a lot of information in between uh, 2016 and, and where we are today. But, you know, Listen uh, Carefully, which is uh, listencarefully.org, really is focused on the information on hearing healthcare. It's not just on OTC, but it's the facts about our industry, because whether it's, you know, manufacturing, associations, you know, go down the list. Uh, I know that we can do a better job all of us in stepping up and really educating on uh, hearing healthcare solutions and the role of the hearing uh, health professional, because that was my biggest moment uh, over the last five, six years is how uh, lack of knowledge and, and uneducated, I would say that we've done in cap on Capitol Hill and with the general public overall uh, on the role of the hearing healthcare professional and what today's technology can do to help hearing. And so it's not to beat or out, um, out discuss, I'll say the narrative that's going on in DC, we have to have our own narrative on the facts. So are there specific things that hearing healthcare professionals can do 
to be uh, supportive of the efforts that you and Starkey and, and others of our colleagues are doing on Capitol Hill? Absolutely. And it's really here, uh, you know, listen carefully is, yes, something that, you know, uh, Starkey initiated. And we started with this site really in July, um, meaning uh, wanting to do something after uh, President Biden's executive order came out. And then the follow up the next couple of days on uh, from I think it was Good Morning America, uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times on articles about commoditizing a hearing aid. And we all know that's much more than this. And we had been talking about it as my role as chairman with HIA, uh, HIA's involvement, and everybody has the same intent. So we put together our website uh, with the right facts. And really for, it's not uh, as branded as Starkey, it's about, you know, again, listen carefully and, and getting that information out for, whether it's uh, consumers, patients, it could be, um, associations and of course, hearing healthcare professionals could go on and get involved through your local uh, member of Congress and state because it's not just a federal um, level where this discussion is being had. It's at the states too, so it's it's sending letters, it's letting them know who you are and educating them on why the role of the hearing uh, professional is important. Uh, from the examination, as we all know, the testing to the selection, fitting, counseling, and uh, the years of service and care, because it's not just uh, the cost where they look at, you know, everybody uses in the media, the $6,000. It's much more than this in what's involved as we know. So we have to educate and we have been doing a good job and, and everybody has been helping. I had the opportunity to go to listencarefully.org, uh, which I would highly recommend to colleagues uh, that watch this week in hearing simply because it has some great information in there about what's going on, the kinds of things that not just Starkey, I think, and not just Brandon are doing for our profession, but it's an overall kind of picture of what we, what we do and what's happening in various states and uh, various issues. Uh, so consider going to that particular site and see what happens with, with what you think about it, but I think you'll be very impressed. The other thing is, um, what are some of the current hearing healthcare issues that are being debated in DC that uh, might be of importance, importance for all of us? Well, for, for me and I, for our industry, uh, and that's what you'll see on, on Listen Carefully, but also initiatives with um, HIA, uh, the other manufacturers and associations, where it's really, it's about educating and having the conversations with the members of, of Congress, um, Senate. I've had several uh, calls um, with the uh, White House, uh, some staff at the White House, and you've got to just be repetitive because when you're tired of hearing yourself talk and having these conversations, it's just now maybe sinking in on the reality. Uh, there's so many things going on in DC that this is um, you know, one of a lot, uh, but it's also explaining to not just the member of, of Congress, or uh, the U.S. Senator, it's also talking to the staff because it's the D.C. staff that you want to build that relationship for the long run for all the right reasons and educating them on hearing health care because some may be around a lot longer than members of Congress. So you have to think big picture. And that was my biggest, one of my biggest learning lessons in the OTC discussions in 16 and 17 is the audience and you have different 
uh, members in the audience that you must uh, build relationships and talk with, talk to. So where do these uh, regulations stand today, Brian, or Brandon, I'm sorry. Uh, where, where are we with these at this point in time? Well, I think with the OTC and, and your, your um, question, you know, what is going on in, in DC too is, you know, there's several fronts. There's the over-the-counter that's just, I, in my opinion, it's going to be uh, any day um, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I do believe that the FDA uh, will issue their ruling and, and meet the request of uh, uh, President Biden's executive order. And uh, I, we welcome it because it's it has been uh, too long and Others have, um, you know, startups and, you know, as I say, kind of some bad actors have started um, taking advantage or manipulating the wording and uh, confusing because for us and Starkey, you know, I get, I do a lot of interviews and uh, over the last several years and people automatically, the media and some think that we're against as an industry uh, over the counter hearing aids. It's furthest from the truth because we're the ones making the products they're trying to make uh, more available. And for us is I'm against uh, doing it for the, the revenue and the profit and making that more uh, over the people and the patient satisfaction, because you have to make sure that we protect the patient satisfaction, which then protects the uh, reputation of hearing aids. And we don't want a $50, a $100 piece app per se, that's called a hearing aid be confused with what we all know to be um, better hearing. And there's also uh, the Medicare discussion, as we know, and that's um, kind of up and down uh, and where that's going to land. But HIA uh, and uh, associations have been united on this front in working with members and educating uh, members in the Senate on if they're going to be expanding Medicare, what's the right way to do it if we want the uh, people to have access, here's what we feel needs to happen. And then again, having those continued conversations, because if it doesn't happen this time, you know, the conversation is going to come up in the, in the coming years, because hearing healthcare is on the radar, period. Well, the, the, the idea of Medicare with uh, hearing instruments has been a recurring episode for many, many years. Uh, I mean, I remember it back in the 70s, back in the 80s, back in the 90s, and so on. So we, we, we have seen this on and on and on. Now, with the climate in Washington at this point in time, there's probably a little more, little more likelihood than there would have been before. However, um, one, of the, one of the things that, that, I, that, that I had a lot of experience with over the years is the stigma of hearing instruments. You know, when I started in the, in the 70s, and my, a lot of my friends are out there that started about the same time, we remember that you'd have to be half dead before you'd come to an audiologist to get a hearing aid. Uh, and, and of course, it's not quite that bad now, but it's still not like some of the other uh, handicaps and so on. You would think that with everybody having strings hanging out of their ears and all these things these days, that it'd be a lot better. But there's still that reservation among uh, patients that really need to do that. But where, where would, where, from where you sit in HIA and and as as a mover and shaker kind of in the in the in the industry, where do you see the stigma factor these days? I think it still exists. It's there's more people that need uh, what we all provide. Um, as I 
I kind of uh, joke at times, but it's the truth. We engineer, design, manufacture, and deliver a product that really nobody wants uh, unless they have to, you know, you know, life-changing moment that makes them go and do something about their hearing loss. I think it's getting better. I really do, but it still exists, no doubt. And and it's uh, it's part of that education and us being more vocal. And it starts at, you know, to me, uh, hearing healthcare is community-based. And if you're in your community, you are known as the one, the clinic, the practice that's going to help people um, with their, their uh, hearing needs. And then educating the community, but also then the media, because we all see, you know, it, um, it just raises the hair up on the back of my neck. It just drives me crazy when I see these pictures of hearing aids that aren't hearing aids. And, you know, it's the big, we write the big, big, thick BT and tube, and then the butt in the air. And it's like, where are these pictures coming from? And whether it is Starkey or any other uh, manufacturer, well, you know, there's pretty slick looking products and the best hearing aid is, you know, for the patient, of course, is yes, what they need, but the one that's not seen. And, you know, there's so much great technology out that it really starts with us um, as a profession. And then, of course, educating and continue to educate in the media because it's that, you know, that visual that they see in Wall Street Journal on, on US, uh, in the USA Today, Good Morning America. But also in the movies, TV, you know, it, it's the stereotype. You know, what are we all saying? Right? Things, the movie things, they seem to find the ugliest thing they can find yeah. and put it on grandpa uh, right. or put it on uh, on somebody. So that and, and, and likely that's the, there so that they can so people will know that there's a hearing loss and that kind of thing. But still, uh, it would be nice to notice that there, maybe there's an impairment there and then they put on something nobody can see. And then it would be, would be part of the deal. So and what's the one thing they always do, right? The hearing aids whistling in the movie. Oh, it's, of course. Yeah. Right? And, and that's the, it's, that is, uh, you know, 1980s and 90s. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen today. I remember that what was the movie Dizzy um, Up, right? And the same type of thing. And I could go on. It's, it's just that when people see it, it's, it stays in their, their mind. And that's the stigma because you're not, you're not going to die from a hearing loss and people need to have that you know, fear, desire, obligation. What is that motivation? Fear of losing their job, connected to the family, the pandemic, that's going to move them to do something about it. It's, 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 it's like the, the article that we saw from uh, Sarah uh, Sedlowski, where they were talking about the biggest competitor that we all have in clinic is the do nothing patient who has decided I'm not going to do anything at all. And that could be stigma, could be Cost could be this, could be lots of other kinds of variables as well. So what rules would you like to see from, with all your perspective on, on the way legislation that has been formed and with HIA as well as uh, being so, so long in the industry, what, what kinds of things should there be in those FDA regulations that we're gonna see on OTC products? I think what's important, you know, we talk about um, the protection and safety of the, the patient. And I think that goes without saying, no matter what um, product and channel that is, you know, you don't want to over amplify, but it's also, it comes down to, you know, um, Roy, uh, Dr. Roy Sullivan, who uh, we all know and has uh, been a lifetime friend. He's always told me, and he's never been afraid to uh, call me up and remind me that the product, the hearing aid is a third of the process. And 
you know, for us is people in DC or with um, the OTC is simplifying an art and a science. And you, you know, it's the very thought of a do it yourself. Some, it might may work, it may work for, but when they say, well, this is only for mild to moderate. Well, there is no mild to moderate cholesterol score. So how do people know what is mild to moderate hearing loss? They could try it uh, depending on the device, but you know, it's gonna be about the fitting. Um, we have talked to the FDA numerous times at their request and, and they've partnered well with us and, and others and just collecting input that the role of the professional, in my opinion, still needs to be involved. If they wanna buy something um, through a different uh, channel per se, go see a professional, make sure it's fit well, because again, it's that reputation of uh, hearing aids patient satisfactions at 88%, according to the last market track, 10 from uh, HIA. We don't want to go backwards. And then the labeling, package labeling. You know, what, what is the consumer protection per se and patient protection on these devices? Because it's not a consumer electronic. And uh, re return policy, proper uh, labeling, uh, I, you know, go down the list. And then if they're looking at mild to moderate, you know, what is the gain and output? And, and there's that cons the consensus paper that came from uh, all the associations that HIA uh, endorsed, kind of providing those uh, guidelines. So I'm optimistic. You know, I, I think, you know, we'll see what they come out with and they have a, um, a comment period, but I'm optimistic that, you know, uh, good will come from this and the patient is going to decide at the end of the day. Patients will decide at the end of the day and many of them will end up with some of these products, I think. Um, and it really behooves colleagues in, uh, in practice to develop a program whereby they can actually assist those patients that obtain these OTC products uh, for a certain fee of some kind. And maybe even once they figure out that they're not really what they think they're gonna be, they might end up putting something on them that is more appropriate for their particular impairment. And I think we see it in our, I know with our customers, and you've probably talked to some of your colleagues and, and others that they're buying these products online. They think it's the hearing aid, it's a PSAP, whatever it might be. And they're going into practices, wanting them to fix it or wanting them to make it better. And, you know, obviously the hearing uh, professional, whether it's a hearing aid specialist or an audiologist, they can't. And it's, again, then the patient, it feels, you know, misled. And that's also why you've seen 17 state attorney generals, which you look at, listen carefully, we've had them outlined, 17 state attorney generals that have come out and warning um, consumers about the misleading um, uh, hearing aid uh, advertising that's going on from some of these pop-up and startup companies. Yeah, well, in, in your opinion, why does the hearing professional need to stay involved in this process? Uh, and how should we go about doing that? I mean, kind of alluded to that a little bit, but, but uh, you know, why and how do we go about supporting the efforts of HIA and, uh, and those of you that are involved with, our, with the uh, DC people? Well, I think for why stay involved or why the role of hearing professional is the service and care, right? It's, of course, the hearing, hearing test, and I'm not... Uh, uh, sold that a, you know, the online hearing test is the uh, magic bullet for uh, people uh, that are looking for hearing help. We know this. Neither, neither are too many others. Neither are too many others, actually. And 
it's all about that we are in a people business. It's, you know, it's the human touch, whether it is, yes, you know, people don't want to be sold. They want to be helped. If somebody is coming to, uh, whether it is online or practice, they're saying they need hearing help. And then what is that role of the professional that's going to um, uh, provide that help of solutions for them and then, hit, uh, then help them and care and service for that product, that fitting for the years to come. The same can be done with online. I mean, over-the-counter product, it's now visible. It's the marketing uh, from it because of this bill. But you and I both know uh, for the last several decades and well beyond I started in this industry, uh, whether it's catalog sales or whatever, cheap hearing aids have been around. I mean, it's, it, it, this isn't respectfully anything that's brand new. It makes for good discussions and making sure it's done right. So, you know, our industry and, and, the, and the patient satisfaction doesn't go off course and backwards. But a hearing professional can offer an over-the-counter product. I mean, again, it's, it's a cheaper solution per se, but it's about access. Uh, the whole thing with over-the-counter started with access and affordability. And professionals can hit both of those. Um, as it's community-based if they like. You know, uh, I've, always, I've been uh, an advocate of uh, practice differentiation by technology and, pro and uh, product. You know, if you have, if, why should somebody go to Best Buy and buy a PSAP or buy a headset or buy a something else? Uh, they should buy that at the hearing center. And, uh, and, and, and honestly, when you, when, when you offer these, OTC products in your practice, you get to choose which ones are the best ones that you want to offer in your practice. And then you can offer a different program for, for people. Uh, I think, first of all, uh, I want to encourage all of you to look at listencarefully.org because it does have some fabulous kinds of information there, some things going on in various, uh, various states by the attorney generals and so on as well as some other great information that you can use with your patients um, as well. And certainly want to thank Brandon Sawalik from Starkey Laboratories for being with us. And in, in his position as president of uh, HIA, as well as kind of the looking at the, at the profession, not only from the 10,000 foot level, but also right in the trenches at meetings where we just crossed paths here just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, again, thanks so much for being with us. And, uh, and with that, um, I will just say that I'm Bob Trainer, and I've been your host for, uh, for this week in hearing with Brandon Sawalik, president and CEO of Starkey Laboratories. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate you uh, having me on and please anytime, uh, love to come on and have uh, continued conversations for the greater good of our industry.